0: Welcome to the PFCA podcast, join us on a journey of inspiration, growth, and education, a chance for you to gain insights, great coaches, thought leaders, and industry peers. Welcome back, PFCA podcast. Um, volume today. I'll get straight into it. Volume. Um, inspired by a few conversations that I've been having with coaches over the last few weeks. Um, and then also that sort of sparked my interest um, or piqued my interest. And as these things do, right, when you start to pay attention to something, you, can, you start to see it more often. Um, and I've been seeing the sort of the struggle or the all the all the queries and questions around programming volume or managing volume uh, and what should that be and, and and all the rest of it uh in program design and in fitness so I thought I'd just speak to it quite quickly today um i say quickly and that's not me being um dismissive of it it's just that it's it's probably more simple than we're making it out to be um it's very easy to get drawn into the complexity around volume of, you know, s- s- you know, precise sets and reps for specific outcomes and and all this stuff. Um, you know, if you want to do if you want to do this particular thing, then it must be done in this rep range, and it must be done at this tempo, and there must be this particular rest between each set. And if you want to do this other thing, then it's you know this particular amount of reps with this tempo with this rest and this many sets you get the gist and it can be very prescriptive and i think you know let's let's um let's be positive i think those things are put are put out in order to be a guide to coaches rather than to be absolutes that must be slapped over everything i think it's a starting point for thought so Rather than you know people putting these programs out um, or these or, or writing books or writing papers or whatever it is, on particular sort of avenues of exploration in fitness or outcomes that that are, that, are, that are required, the reps and sets that are, that are associated with it are really just a starting point, and that's the first thing. So when we're thinking about volume, whatever we see, whatever we read. It's all a starting point and it has to be, it has to be because they don't know the context of the individual that's standing in front of you right now. I pause, as I always do, to leave you just a minute to think on that because that's where it comes back to. Comes back to the individual. So when we're thinking about volume, rather than thinking about the particulars of a Of a system or of a coach and what they've done, or of an athlete, or of you know, insert anybody, influencer, etc., etc., who's done something and got an outcome. How they've done it and the volume they've used to get there is just an insight. And I would suggest that more often than not, the volume that we use in order to drive the same outcome or response for the client that stood in front of you will be slightly different because, and this must come back to the equation, who plus why plus what equals how. So the who is the individual and everything that makes that person up, everything that makes that person up. The why also belong to the individual. It's their intentions. Why are they, why do they want to do this? Why are they here? Why is this the next iteration of challenge for this person? And then the what, which is, you know, essentially the the goal and therefore the function. So it's like, if this is the goal, then this should be the function. This should be the modality that we use in order to get there. So those three elements, all of which belong to the individual, equal then how we guide, how we coach and how we program design. In that then, obviously, sits the volume. But we can see then, quite simply, when we take the insight and we take the general direction from the programs and systems that sit in place, you know, the general, the general narratives, these are generally the the amount of reps that people would require for hypertrophy. These are generally the amount of reps that people would require for power. These are generally the requirements that people would require, uh, the reps that people would require for strength. These are generally the reps that are required for, to drive people towards more of a metabolic response. Yada, yada, yada. It goes on. They're a starting point. So we can layer those at the bottom of our hierarchy as an insight. So it's like, okay, we, we see that. Let me let me let me take those let me take those ideas. And this this is the same with everything in life, right? And it's the same with everything in coaching. All ideas and thoughts and what have you that are out there, and this is the same with science. This is this is my my struggle with the with the particular attachment to science at the moment. Is that it's becoming more and more absolute it's like you know it must be like this it's like what are you talking about it's all right being like that in a controlled environment in a lab environment and this is to the point with volume when you insert a human being though well, that context changes and as we know and as i spoke about before that context changes daily so even the volume that somebody might require in order to drive the adequate challenge one day might be less or more than what's required the next day and the next day depending on the influences that lie outside of the gym so it's a starting point so we take all those things as a guide rather than an instruction So it's like, okay Maybe it is that 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 much for 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 hypertrophy so let's start there let's you know that would be a reasonable place to start if you've considered the individual the who the why the what if that spits out a how of a rep range between i don't know ten to fifteen for their particular purpose for their particular function, then it's probably a decent place to start but Taking those things on is like, I guess, adopted goals without really considering the who, the why, and the what. So you know, what that what that individual brings to the table with, as far as experience in life, in fitness, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, their essence, all of the things that makes that make that person up, their current expression. What's what does that you know? Where, how does how does that look at the table? Then with their intentions on top, all the rest of it. That needs to align. That needs to. That all needs to align with, with the with the tool that you're choosing, right? So, for instance, twelve deadlifts, and I think I've spoken about this before. I think I've even used this analogy. Are different to twelve tricep extensions can we see that which are different to 12 muscle ups which are different to 12 meters of handstand walk which are different to 12 alternating pistols etc etc so the tools that we're using in here again dictate the volume and then it, it it brings it all the way back right that would be more linked into the to the what to the goal and the function. it would also be linked into obviously the who and the why, but the particular movement that you chose would would link into the function like what do, you know where do they want to go with this thing? and then where are, where are they starting off? and then where are they at in the in their process? So again, back to the point. 12 to 15 reps might drive hypertrophy for some individuals. For others, it may not. That's just an overriding fact. Another layer of investigation there is what would be the intention behind those 10 to 15 reps? If the intention is skill development and motor control, then as a result, out of the other end, once you can layer over sufficient challenge beyond the skill, that might lead to hypertrophy down the road. But off the bat, there's sufficient challenge in just learning the movement. So the challenge is more of a a brain-to-muscle challenge than it is a muscle expression challenge. still feels hard. The whole body's working hard in order to, you know, create the movement because the connections aren't necessarily solid at that point. So a lot of focus is is taking place which, which makes it feel bloody hard. but will that result in hypertrophy? Maybe for some individuals but you can see how the intention there isn't around building muscle necessarily, it's around sending signals to muscles in order for them to operate to move bones so just in in that sense we've taken one volume it can mean many things for some people who are particularly powerful in nature 10 to 15 reps might create a metabolic a a metabolic response you might be too high for hypertrophy for that individual might go into Might be going into a a, a conditioning setting for that person. So, I know I'm not necessarily giving you answers. And you know that's not our role. Because, and, and the reason being, is because the answer can only be found through the individual that's standing in front of you. So what volume's is right for them, depending on them, depending on their intentions and the thing, and depending on the what, on their goal and function. That dictates the volume. We must consider that the volume must be earned. So, again, to the point, we can't just slap random volume on because we have this expectation that it elicits a particular response because it's written in a particular book somewhere by a guy who's a great coach. I can bet the bottom dollar that that great coach didn't write that book for it to be an absolute, an absolute instruction. He's written it as a guide and probably as an example. And we need then to not be lazy and just take that as read and slap it over people, but take it as an insight, like I said. So then, The volume must be earned. What do we mean by that? Well, it must be recoverable from. So whether you're whatever whatever volume is involved, whether it's a higher volume and so you're challenging the repeatability of a movement or skill, that must be earned, or whether it's lower volume and you're challenging the intensity. So as a lower volume to 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 maintain challenge, you're probably going to increase load or decrease rest, increase density. So, with that additional challenge then, that must be earned. And what we're talking about there is recover is, is, is being able to recover from it. Is it recoverable from? Because as we know, it's only true expression if we can recover from it. Otherwise, it's a compensation. So, it must be earned. So to that point, that's a big consideration when you're tabling volume for, a, for, for an individual. What have they done before this that's allowed them now to express this volume at this particular intensity and know that they're going to be able to recover from it? What have they got in place? Markers here for success would be consistency of movement, so movement quality. In the podcast a couple of weeks ago, when I was speaking about challenge and providing sufficient challenge, I spoke about the tendency of coaches because we care to sort of under challenge. A few of you messaged me and said, "What would be the alternative to under-? So I do, I do under challenge, and we and we use, you know, we talk about reps in reserve, and we talk about um, RPEs, etc., etc. And I tabled this movement quality piece as the marker of, of progression. So can, so whether, you're, whether you're, you're spanning volume out, so you're challenging muscle endurance or strength endurance, whichever, or you're reducing the volume and increasing the intensity, the key marker for success would be the maintenance of movement quality. So whatever you started at, once you've taught that movement and you've ingrained the motor pattern, does that motor pattern hold up under the current challenge that you're given, Or does it start to break down? And if it starts to break down, then true expression is being lost. And it's almost like at that point, it's, it's a useless exercise. Now, that's, that is reductionist in its own right i'm sure there is some use that comes out of that scenario but as far as driving that movement forward over time you've just taken a turn you've just taken a turn off off the main road because as soon as that as soon as those contractions don't look identical then what's going to come in front of that is going to change so movement quality needs to remain as a as a marker for success so we can use that as far as, you know, is this challenge too much? As in, is it starting to break down? Power output also a good one um, as far as true expression, especially in, in a metabolic setting. So if your client has um, earned a skill and taken it all the way through, Motor control, muscle endurance, strength, endurance, absolute strength, inter-dynamic strength—perhaps if that's what you've included in your in your metabolic piece—and now they're they're able to uh, they're able to express that movement in a mixed setting and its quality be upheld. Then power output is a, is another good insight. So this is the, are the same contractions happening each rep the same force going into each rep. If not, then the volume might be a little too high. Same if we're in strength sets. Now, it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking to drive somebody to failure for a particular reason, then that's a little bit different. But again, if you're, if you're in the realms of um, continuing the progress of that movement over time, then a drop-off in power output across a set is probably a, and it's not a max set, is probably a decent indicator that that challenge is a little too high. So we want it to be challenging, sure, but the aim should be the same speed out of the bottom of the squat. You know? All right, that might get harder to actually produce as the set goes on, but we're still looking for that as the same output. A decent marker there is the inability to hold the correct tempo at the top of a squat or at the top of a movement in that resting position. So all of a sudden that starts to become prolonged because the individual needs an extra second or two in order to drive the same power output the next rep. So again, challenge is probably a little too far at that point. True expression is being lost. And then the movement and intention really at that point have just changed. So the movement's changed. Because either the speed that it's being this being expressed at as has reduced. Or the the, the the quality of the movement has is, is reduced and therefore the movement's changed. And then it's intention the intentions at that point have shifted because it's more into sort of survival mode of just getting stuff done. General principles around time under tension need to be considered here in volume. They do. They need. They, they do. Like I said at the start, like these, those those guides are still there. But what is the required time under tension for the for the individual that you're working with? What have they earned to date? Where are you going? Are you going? Are you taking the time under tension up, or are you taking it down? If you're taking it up, have they? Earned the step prior or are you going from eight reps in a skill acquisition piece and then challenging it in a, in a muscle endurance piece with 20 reps so we can get an idea as to what's happening there or drastic increases of, of, temp, of tempo or decreases in tempo or whatever it might be big changes so Definite considerations there around rep sets, tempo, and rest. So, I hope that's been useful. I'm going to keep that. Short. Like I say, I'm going to keep that short because I don't think it needs to be any more complex than that. the The overriding the overriding thought process here is come away from the idea that what the systems are saying are instructions, they're not their guides and then slot in the individual that's in front of you and then use all your principles that you've learned in program design if if you're listening to this and you're struggling understanding what I mean by principles in program design then you need to go and have a look at FFC1 We need to consider that when writing these books and these systems, they can't, it's impossible to take every single individual into consideration. They'd never, they'd never be able to publish it. They'd never be able to finish it. And so they have to take a punt. So they have to go, they have to put something down. And this is the point with science, right? We have, to, we have to understand that it's the best attempt to create a real-life scenario. But in doing so, we realize that we restrict an awful lot of things. We have to leave an awful lot of things out. And that's that's fine, as long as we know. Because then then it's like, okay, now that's, that's great. Thanks for finding that out for me. That's going to help me shape my thoughts in reality. As I apply it to this, as I apply it to this. Not as it becomes this, and not as I use it as an absolute, that's not how science is intended, and it's not how these books and systems are intended in the fitness world also just as a, just as, a, as one to leave up to leave, to leave on. do consider that a lot of data that's gathered in the strength world is gathered off a lot of individuals who are in sports that allow the use of performance-enhancing drugs. That's not me speaking out of turn. That's just fact. So again, we have to consider those things when we're then relating them back to the the individual that stands in front of us, specifically around the earning piece and and the recovery piece. Knowing that performance- enhancing drugs allow bigger steps in progression, mainly because they allow greater speeds of recovery. So consider that as well. You know A lot of the stuff that we see and, and, and that comes from the strength world is, um, is, not, is not always natural. Now that's not to say again that the that the insight and the general gist of what they're saying is incorrect. It just means that the the, the, the rate of adaptation for the for the for the everyman for the for the gempot person is probably going to be drastically less than. So if you're if you're running if you're taking like a six eight week progression from a strength system. And you're expecting a particular outcome on the other end because that's what it shows in their data, and it doesn't work. At that point, you probably to point if, if you're if you're that far down the instruction route as far as taking that thing as red and, 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 and applying it to your client, you're probably going to point the finger at the client for for you know not having done something properly. The, real, the reality is is that you know they're just not enhanced, <laughs> and as well. The other thing, even if it's not even if it's not, you know, related to drugs. A lot of the data there is is, is taken from people who are who are full time. They're in the sport. So again, we must consider that with all these protocols and and, and and thought processes around volume. That then of course should lead our mind towards the their ability to recover, even if they're not on drugs. They're doing it full time. Everything in their life is pointed at this as a as their professional pursuit. That's not the same as, as our Dave, who I always mention, who's, you know, the forty eight year old accountant who sits at his desk for ten hours a day. And has two kids and doesn't sleep a lot, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'll close it. Volume. Don't overcomplicate it. Look at the systems and thought processes and principles that are in place in the fitness world. Study them, sure, but better understand where they come from. And then remember, this is the key piece, then remember that the use of them should be a guide and the outcome should, the outcome of your prescription should relate to the individual that's in front of you and less and less to the numbers and detail that come out of those systems i'll leave it there have a great week